Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You wake up startled in the middle of the night, convinced that there's something out there in the darkness. Your brain tells you that there's nothing to be afraid of. Unfortunately, your brain is dead wrong. If you love the mix of horror, mystery, and comedy in shows like Buffy, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, or Supernatural, you'll feel right at home on The Crit Show, a Monster of the Week actual play podcast where the players, playing as themselves, are tasked with being the last line of defense from the forces of evil that go bump in the night. You can find The Crit Show at thecritshowpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If this might disturb you or those around you, please reconsider. It's all good. Privacy and confidentiality have been protected with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis center, emergency services, or national hotline. In the U.S., the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. Just remember, you matter. Hey, this is Kate. When I record with somebody new, I have a little checklist that I work my way down. I ask if you want to be anonymous. I make sure you know that my show is not safe for work. Things like that. And there's a line on there that says release date. And the point of that is that I don't release episodes in the same chronological order as I record the conversations. So at any given day... It depends on what do I have time to do, what am I interested in listening to as I edit, what have my most recent episodes been, because I want to kind of shake it up usually, although once in a while I want two to go together for some reason, things like that. And it didn't used to matter. Like I used to, my one of my sort of pat lines with people is like, look, I could drop your episode tomorrow, or I could drop your episode in, in you know, three months. I just don't know. And it was never really an issue. Like, if you listen to the first two years' worth of my show, by and large, you're not really going to know when I recorded in reference to when it was released, because 
the conversations have some staying power. And I think most of them still do in the sense that this is how we felt or thought in this moment about this thing. And that's all fine. Then March happened. <laughs> then the pandemic really rolled in heavy. Then May happened and we had race riots. And now it's July and it's political fuckery and not knowing what's going to happen when it's time to send the kids back to school and all of these other things. And so suddenly I'll maybe have an opinion about, let's say specifically about COVID-19. So I was on another show actually for this one and it was recorded, I want to say in March, maybe February. And I made the comment that I was planning to go to Seattle at the end of April, and I was going to go no matter what, that I wasn't concerned about this virus that was going around because my doctor hadn't told me to stay home, so I was going to go. And about a week or two later, the shutdown orders came through, and my doctor called me and said, don't go anywhere. And I had completely forgotten that I had said that thing in this conversation for the other show. And then they released that episode and I listened to it and I heard myself and I was like, I can't do that. I can't stand by those words. I can't, even though it's not like anybody out there is or should be looking to me as any sort of expert on anything, but certainly not medically. That being said, I feel like as a responsible adult with a semi-public voice that I can't go on somebody's show and be like, well, I'm going no matter what. So I had to contact that other podcaster. Luckily, they're in a different time zone and more so they were just really great about it all because I had to say, look, it, it such and such a, a timestamp. I don't remember what it was. 47 minutes and 22 seconds. I say this really asshole thing. Can you take it out? Because I don't want anybody to listen to to this episode of your show and go, well, Kate said she's traveling, so I'm a travel too. So, I mean, things just started to change and they would change so quickly. And that's still happening now. So I have to get more in the habit of if I'm recording with somebody and we start talking kind of inevitably about the pandemic and about the political state of disaster that is the United States right now and things like that, that I have to get on it and release quicker. This is a little bit of a problem for me because I, I went through, I, I'm in a, I'm not in a good place mentally. Like I'm trying, I feel like I'm getting better, but I'm easily overwhelmed. I'm easily upset. I'm quick to tire and to, to need to sort of hide, hibernate a bit. Like, I'm not unsafe and I'm not physically ill. I just, my brain is full. The brain weasels are screaming. And so this is why I don't have a, a set release schedule for my show is so that if I'm not doing well, I can say, look, I'll do it tomorrow. No guilt, no pressure. So I've been working more on a twice a week schedule and yeah, I'm still talking to people three or four days a week. So you see where the math kind of starts to get a little shaky in there, right? And that's what happened here is this isn't that old. 
I spoke with this guy, Scotty Moore, on June 7th of 2020, and today it is July 16th, so not that long ago. And the the aspects of the world that we talk about apply. They just were kind of at a fever pitch in the moment. And so part of me wishes I had released right away, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't able to cope with dealing with the political, socioeconomic, racial situation in the country in an editing way. Because like I can talk about things in the moment, no problem. But editing means sometimes listening to the same sentence three or four times or just sort of really sitting with it, whether I'm comfortable or not. So I, I let it wait. And I also didn't want other older episodes to wait a whole lot longer. So whatever. I, God, I'm over explaining. And I know that I am. And it's because I'm having a hard time quite putting my finger on my own point, I guess. It's just that this... Usually when I release an episode, I don't ever worry about it feeling dated because as long as it goes out within, I don't know, a decade, it should still hold, you know, or or if it has to do with opinions or values that have changed, then I can explain the process of change. Whereas this is five weeks ago and things have both changed a ton in the past five weeks and they haven't changed much at all. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss. I'll I'll interrupt you. It'll be great. (laughs) I've been told to start the show. My name is Scotty Moore. I do podcasts. I do a lot of them on the BS Network. I do show record. Hello. Hi. Did I nail nail it? Wicked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's exactly the script that I wrote. Yeah. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) I do podcasts. So... I've been, like, I've slacked way off on, I, there was a while where, for recording with new people, it was like a six-week delay for me. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I was recording with people, like, every single day, and, and they'd be like, oh, you know, yeah, I'll come on your show, and, and I'd look at my calendar and literally would have somebody every single night for weeks right. and weeks and weeks, and then shit hit my fan personally i i had surgery in january and so i couldn't record for a while and then the world blew up i don't know if you heard i didn't wait what what happened we'll talk about it later it's it's okay 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 that's off air that's off air talk there were wildfires in australia and then there was a helicopter crash Oh, okay, yeah. Now that I did hear about, but I thought you meant something weird, like like a global pandemic or something. That would be <laughs> no, ridiculous. That would be insane. I can't even imagine. And so, yeah, so I slacked way off on on recording. But you had posted on Twitter that you have an unusual goal this year. 
I am going to break. Actually, I did. You, I went back. I realized I used the wrong verbiage because I said I'm going to break a world record, which led to multiple people saying, well, what's the current world record? Non-existent. Nothing. Because if you go to the Guinness website, you can look up like whatever you want, like podcasts or uh, like because uh, originally my idea was I do a wrestling audio drama. So imagine like an episode of pro wrestling with like, we got a match up next. But before that, we're going to hear from macho man, Randy Savage, like that. But it's uh, an audio drama. It's, so I thought, well, I've only got a few episodes out, but we could still technically be the longest running one because there's no other podcast like it. And so Guinness didn't like that because they were like, hey, bud, that is very specific. There's no way I'm going to give you something for that specific. And so then I realized I do seven podcasts weekly, roughly, about seven. And so I said, well, if I just do a few extra guest spots, I could probably set a world record for most appearances in a single year. And then I did the math and I did realize that will mean 200 guest spots. So that's going to be fun to do. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to set a Guinness World Record for the most podcast appearances in a single year. That's masochism on an impressive scale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, if most of them... I do this a lot with two simultaneous thoughts. If if many of them are appearing on other people's shows, then at least you're letting us do the, the editing. So that's easier. Yes. Oh, the editing is my least favorite part of this whole thing. I will, anytime I have to edit a show, I will, and I know this is not the best way to do it, but I will hit two times speed and just go through and be like, oh, he was typing there, cut that out. Oh, he coughed there, cut that out. But outside of that, I do not do that much else other than what, like, the system will already automatically do for me. So then speaking of masochism. Okay, let's go. Seven shows. Yeah, dog. It's so many. It's so many shows. <laughs> it's a cult. My, my favorite thing in the world is going to podcast conferences where, you know, you'll get like the nerdy guy in a suit who comes up and is like, I do a podcast about business for five years and we have 10 listeners an episode. What about you? I always have to be like, man, just choose your own adventure. And then I just have to list the topics and then have them choose one. Um, but I do two on pro wrestling, the audio drama, and then one that's pro wrestling news. I do one on theme parks and it's about designing your own theme park. So each, each week we have a prompt and then we have to make a theme park ride based off of it. Uh, we do one that for a while, we didn't know what it was because it was our first podcast. So obviously it was two Caucasian men just being like, well, people want to hear what we have to say, right? So we can talk about anything. Um, Movies, but over mostly. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but over the years, that evolved more into, did you see, and I hate comparing this because they're so much better at it than us, but did you watch Middle Edition's shorts on Netflix? No. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you must. Okay. Here's the part where I point out that people don't know. I'm hard of hearing. Yes. I don't watch TV or movies. Ah, okay. Yeah, no, this wouldn't have been easy to follow then. But uh, <laughs> it's all it is is long form improv. So okay. it's just uh, us two idiots coming out and being like, let's make a movie about going to a deserted island. And then 
improving what that movie would be over at the the source of an hour. So that's what that show is. Uh, oh God, I got so many. I do, and one that's a daily diary, and I call it a self help podcast about helping myself. So every single day at the end of the day, I get in my car, I record myself, I talk about what I did positive for my self-help journey, what I did negatively, and basically looking at my audience and saying, this is where I messed up, don't mess up, don't do this. Uh, And then, I think that's it? Is that it? And then I do a space audio drama about, uh, it's basically Star Wars if an idiot in the 80s wrote it. Which is almost what happened. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Uh, it's it's like Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy and all of the stuff that I... Basically, I realized there's a lot of very, very intelligently made audio drama about space. And I realized there was an opening for a dumb audio drama about space. And so that's where I slid in and <laughs> was like, hey, I'm going yeah. I'm to I'm be here. I'm going to do this over here quietly. It is the only audio drama, I think, that features a karaoke version of Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer to end a season. Nice. Oh, yeah. I'm that guy. I I approve. I approve. I, uh, there's a, uh, one of my favorite audio dramas is Oz9. And yes. They have a, uh, a zebra named Greg on theirs. Yep. And, and theirs is profoundly the only zebra named greg that i know of in any audio drama at all of any genre (laughs) now i've got to write in my own zebra named greg try to steal a little (laughs) bit of their flavor right take away that guinness audiobook yeah (laughs) guinness guinness record for 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 their for their audio drama that's that's the one thing that they had right shannon sorry (laughs) shannon sorry (laughs) (laughs) just gotta call them out let's go oh god they're wonderful i adore them I, yeah. I I got, fell asleep I, on Shannon's lap at uh, Podtails last October, so <laughs> I feel like I get to yeah, I, get to I got call to out whenever I am able. Yeah, I got to know that squad a little bit because I was gonna. Well, it might still happen, and I don't feel like I can say anything. But I was gonna be a part of Wi-Fi Sci-Fi because I do mm-hmm. the I do Relativity, so I'm on Relativity, and so mm-hmm. I got to like hang out with them and be like, oh, look at all these people who are so much more famous Were than you me. there? Were you at Podtails? I was not. This was before oh, okay. I did I any audio say. drama. Yeah. I was going to say, because no, you, you didn't come over and say hello. No, no, no. This was before I, okay. I did any, like, outside of Relativity, where I was a voice actor. Uh, yeah, I didn't do any audio drama until last November, and that's when uh, Deviant, which is the space drama, started up. See, I still don't do any audio drama, but I had a table at Podtails. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Because you're, cause you're, <laughs> you're a badass. You're like, I don't care. They're going to know my name. Well, it it was it was for a, a, a sort of like a friend of a friend kind of situation, um, where he was like, "Oh, I I I really wish I could have a, pot, a table there, but I can't get up there." I'm like, "Well, I live ten miles away, and that's where my daughter goes to college, so I kind of have to go." <laughs> yeah. So if you want me to sit at your table for the day, I will totally sit at your table for the day, which is how I ended up at the end of the day. At some tiny little Chinese restaurant in Cambridge, next to Shannon, which is how I fell asleep in her lap, and 
Eddie from Sage and Slavant stayed at my house for the weekend, and mm-hmm. I, Lee was there. Lee Shackleford, who still That's owes my... me an episode. Oh, by I the gotta way. get him! I gotta get his ass now. Do it because he like I stopped him and like when I say in the middle of the street, I mean literally in like he's in a crosswalk leaving after dinner, and I'm like Lee, you gotta come on my show, and he's like okay, and that was what six months ago. So, <laughs> oh, I've gotta get him now because like. Here's the thing. He's the he is really the man who taught me how to write because he's also a college professor at the college I went to. And so if anyone is ever like this show is so if, talking about deviant, this show's so badly written, I'm going to be like go blame Lee Shackleford. Go it's, blame it's Lee. the cre- it's Lee. Yeah. I mean, it's I just Lee's mostly fault. blame things on Lee. Oh yeah. Everything you know, just I blame on Lee. You know, my yeah, cat yeah. is having an allergic reaction to something right now and I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty sure it's Lee's fault. Mm-hmm. I've been. Uh, I've had to stay in my house for the last three, uh, three, three months. I think that's Lee. That's all Lee. <laughs> oh no. Oh, well, at least now we know. You know. Yep. Um, who I don't even remember who all was at the table, but like, um, Moonbase Theta out in Megas Elgar, and just all of these people that I'm sitting at dinner with, and I'm like, I don't even. I don't write fiction. I don't have, yeah. I don't understand what I'm doing here. And they're like, you're driving us home. Okay, cool, cool. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see my role now. I see yeah. why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I'm guilty multiple times of trying to jump into a niche just because I'm like, that seems cool without knowing anything about it. Uh, like I did it once with fan fiction. I used to have a podcast called Fun Fiction where each week we would talk about a movie or a podcast and then write a fanfic about it. And that, I'm not going to say it's not a welcoming crew, because they were very, like, getting into the fanfiction community just definitely seemed like there was a wall. Uh, God, the audio drama people are so welcoming, and they are so badass. I, I have yet to meet an audio drama person that I hate, and that's why I love it so much. Oh, I can, you and I, we can sip tea after, because I have some stories. There are some terrible human <laughs> like, beings. You think Lee's so cool? Let me tell oh, you some he's amazing. about Lee. No, well, Lee's, I wouldn't say his name on the, that's just why I'm saying after we're done recording. Ah, like, okay. there, are, there are people whose names don't get mentioned on my show, but oh, do I have stories for you. But that's one of the fun things about being a little bit outside the community is that people tell me things. Oh. You know, and also being a psychologist, they're like, they, they, I think they know that they can, like, unload to me. And, and I mean, so far, no one yet on Mike has said something to me, except for one person, where I've gone, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and that one time was another therapist who dropped the name of a client in the middle of... <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not that's that familiar illegal. with the psychiatric field. You're not supposed to do that. You can't do that. That was the first time I ever edited an episode. Oh my god, that's insane. Yeah, that um, was not a that was not a great moment. That was not a shining example. And now I'm left with the ethical dilemma of like, do I try and contact her? And I decided that he only gave her first name, and there were probably a lot of women with that first name in the state of Florida. Yeah. Which is where he lives. And so I would lose a lot of man hours calling all of of them, (laughs) you know, Karens in Florida. So I decided it was probably fine for me to just cut it out and let it go. But Jesus Christ, like, that's not not what you're, that's not what you're supposed to do, dog. You don't do that. 
no, no, no. But so people tell me things. So yeah, no, there. I mean, but like, I'm coming from. I my my show started off as true crime. Yeah, yeah. My, speci- my specialty was forensic psychology, and right. the true crime community is fucked up. Oh, I'll like, bet. There are some amazing people there. Like, legit, some of the best people that I know in podcasting are in that world. Then there are other people where I look at them and I'm like, you didn't have to hit record. Like, <laughs> been okay. you didn't have to make this show. You didn't have to do this. It wasn't, yeah, that- it wasn't required. That's why I'm just happy I found a niche because like I used to just be in that floating around of like I'm just a podcaster. Let me meet all the podcasters. Oh, you guys suck. I'm not sticking around here anymore. <laughs> Cuz like I said I would go to something like uh like podcast movement or something like that and there would be like really badass people there. Like that's where I met um Megan from Oh No Lit class. That's where I met um uh, 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 Tal, who does, uh, uh, oh god, side questing. I've met some amazing people. But then, it, okay, this is my favorite person who I hate that I have ever met at a podcast conference. Um, it was the previous night, there was a party and there was a open bar, but you had to have tickets. This man was reaching over and stealing tickets. And bringing him back. So me being the alcoholic was like, this seems like a cool guy to hang out with. So got tickets from him. And that was fun, not of. Next day, um, I, got, I wish I could remember what guy this was. But he's a guy from Scotland. He runs a podcasting website. And he had a table. And he was giving out a bottle of scotch for the person who wrote the best limerick. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I want scotch. I will enter this. So I entered it, and then I went, and I found that guy the night before, and I started talking to him. And he goes, you talking about a limerick? And I'm like, how are you still drunk? It is a day later. And he goes, you think they'd accept freestyle rap? Absolutely not. They would not do that, because it's supposed to be a limerick. You sure? And then he proceeds to freestyle rap at me. And I don't know if you know of the fear that it instills in you when a Caucasian man in a suit starts freestyling, rapping at you, but it is palpable. I was frozen in places. I was just like, please, can anyone save me? And then there was like a lull in the rap, and I was like, man, that's good. And then he just goes back in it again, like he was Eminem in 8 Mile. And I'm like, I cannot be here anymore. You are the worst. Oh, God. I I, I didn't... I, I had a little bit of... Oh, God. There's stories that I want to tell on my... But that's the thing is that, like, I, I think, I mean, any time you get a group of humans together, you're going to get assholes in the group. Like, everybody's yeah. got one, pretty much, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Heard. I don't know. But, um, but no, the audio drama community is definitely more open in a lot of ways. Like, there's a lot of questions that you just can't even ask. Like, in true crime, you cannot talk about numbers. In gaming, you cannot bring up gender. Like, there are these, like, wicked, you know, just verboten. You don't bring up those topics. It's not allowed. People get very uptight and very upset very quickly. And it's like, I don't have energy for rules about, like, that you're making up. Yeah, it's the same thing in, like, the wrestling, pro wrestling community. Because you'd be surprised how many people take 
naked man wrestling around in the ring in a fake in a fake action fight really seriously like so violently seriously and i'm like you guys know this is supposed to be fun right like all of my shows i'm like we gotta remember this is goof goof fun like it's not supposed to be anything too serious but pro wrestling people are scary serious they are they are i'm from upstate new york originally and so yes i come from solid wrestling stock even though i had disappointed my family by moving away Oh yeah, the whole the whole TV thing, you know. But in, in wrestling, my 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 cousin and I can say this because I know she doesn't listen to my show. Uh, her goal from like age five to whenever I stopped actually listening to her when she spoke was that she was going to design costumes for pro wrestlers, and I was like, "You're going to design oil?" <laughs> I will say. And I know this is this is me standing on my superior pro wrestling mountain. There is an insane amount of thought that goes into that, like so much so that like our our audio drama, we will do pay per views. So like WWE has WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble, we will do that in WWE 2K19. So we will make it in a video game. Meaning I have to go through and like painstakingly be like, well, this guy's got a championship shot. Let's give him like a white and gold attire. Mm, this guy's got skinny legs. Put him in pants. Don't put him in trunks. Like it's, I hate, there's so much thought that goes into it and it annoys everybody around me. Cause they're like, just put him in shorts. I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's not his aesthetic. It's skinny legs. No skinny legs and shorts. He got them skinny legs and it ain't gonna work. He gonna look like a chicken. <laughs> no, it's true. You, Although that would be an, kind of an amazing, like, the chicken could be your oh, next, yeah. you know, Mr. underdog. We did, this is not a joke, we made a chicken once and he was the worst abomination on the planet. Because uh, we do a show similar to... We uh, made a chicken. Like, we do a show similar to the uh, YouTube series Monster. feathers. <laughs> oh, no, you can do it in the video game. And we got a show that's like, it's like Monster Factory, if you've ever watched that. But it's in exclusively in WWE 2K19. And one time we found a full on, just a chicken costume. It was just with a hoodie that had like chicken eyes on it. So we made him and they were like, okay, now he has to fight to prove his worth. He got beat in five seconds. This chicken got beat so quickly. It was astounding. I mean, I live in Salem, Massachusetts. Yes. So the idea of a chicken soup doesn't even faze me. Like, I don't even notice anymore that that's a costume. You're like, oh, yeah, the thing that normal, that, that's what I wear to church, is I'll wear a chicken costume. Oh, I don't go to church, no. no. <laughs> but there's, there is a man who wears a full chicken costume who hangs out on Washington Street in Salem, like, year-round. I, I love him. He sounds He's so cool. He's just amazing. Uh, that, the best thing I've seen similar to that, I used to live in Orlando, and I worked at Disney Springs. One time I came into work, and there was a man on a giant moving platform that had a piano on it. And he was just driving around Disney Springs playing piano for people. So I had to walk beside... He was literally playing Uptown Funk on a piano. So I was just, like, dancing beside him on my way to work. What else are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. So we... 
I lived in Salem like in the early 2000s when I first moved out to the Boston area. And then in 2009, we moved back down here. We, we lived in New Hampshire for a little while and moved yeah. back down here. And so it was in February 2009, um, no, February 2010, rather, I was enormously pregnant with my third kid. And so I was going to uh, the Walgreens, which is actually where, I'm not making this up, where the witches are buried is underneath the Walgreens parking lot. That's a movie plot. That is a movie plot right there. <laughs> they didn't find wit because none of it happened in Salem. None of the witchcraft stuff. It all happened yeah. in Danvers, two towns over. And turns out that they were actually buried just over the town line in Salem, but they didn't find that out until 2015. So Walgreens parking lot. That's where they are. So good. I love right? this. So it was that store though. And, and I think that's a coincidence, but not positive. And, you know, I go lumbering in, and it was day after Valentine's Day, so I'm there for the cheap chocolate. That's all I'm there for. And you oh just, yeah, you know, you, you don't get between a pregnant woman and cheap chocolate, like <laughs> you know, thoughts and prayers. And um, and I glance down, you know, the Hallmark aisle as I'm beelining in, and and there are two, I I I think men. I by 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 sight they appeared to be men in yes. the Hallmark aisle. One dressed head to toe in Santa Claus, so you know, red velvet, long beard, the whole nine, Santa Claus, and the other is like a seven foot tall goth, and nobody. I, what the the amazing thing is, nobody looked twice. I, I don't, I don't know how to process this. This was just like, that. That was exactly like I was just like just I just need the chocolate and then I'll go home and I'll try and make sense of that what I just saw and then I realized <laughs> no that's just Salem that's just. This is just yeah. how we do here. It's Santa Claus and Satan Claus. It was both of them getting that's, ready. <laughs> that's what it was. And I, the Satanic Temple is lovely, and I have no idea where the nearest Catholic church is. Wow, Salem, all kinds of different. I'm we're, sorry, you're talking to someone from, like, mid-Alabama, where, like, <laughs> it's like Waffle House, church, gun store. Another Waffle House, second church, fifth gun store like it's just like that up and down the road so for me i'm like what (laughs) yeah 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 we own our weird we rock our weird it's oh yeah yeah. it's pretty wild and uh yeah that just i I just realized like this is just how it this this how it be and so the guy in the chicken suit he's he's mostly outside of the town hall i i don't know is he protesting something or like (laughs) chickens i don't know I don't, I don't know. He's not he's holding like, a sign. He's like, get rid of the Chick-fil-A, maybe? I don't know. We don't have any of those. All right, Salem. <laughs> Once again, <Right. laughs> gun store, chicken, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> church. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that here. No, I mean, he's not. Okay, this is terrible, though, because I'm realizing probably the reason he's not holding a sign is because of the chicken scratch. Right. I am ashamed. Oh, my, oh my <laughs> God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just getting a notification. It says your show's been canceled. I, I mean, I completely deserve it. I, 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 I am, I am ashamed. All right. Okay. So, anyway, chicken scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I heard it. I heard the chicken scratch joke. I was just trying to f- find another show to do tonight. Um, it's okay. <laughs> You changed your mind about the world record. In fact, you don't ever want to do any more of your own podcast. Just... I'm just gonna relax for a few. <laughs> oh Lord, 
Yeah, I did pick the worst week, by the way, to start that world record attempt. It was a rough week for me, because, like, the very next week I was like, I know I got the world record, because, of course, we all went silent for the Black Lives Matter movement over that week, and the whole time I was like, I have to do this. I guess I have to do, like, ten extra shows after this, but it's okay. It's okay. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in in a lot of other, you just don't. I think a lot of people don't know, and I, I, I self included, like where the line happens between when you can go back to business as usual, whenever yeah. big bad shit hits. I don't know. Like we're not there yet. I'm hoping you have an answer because I don't. With, with me, I, I feel like a lot of like corporations were like, "We're gonna do Blackout Tuesday." Blackout Tuesdays over free chicken sandwiches. Come on, let's go. And it's like, no, no, there's more to be done than that. And I, I, for me, I I really couldn't stand the people who are just like, hashtag Blackout Tuesday and just put up the black square. I was like, no, no, there's so much more you could have been doing other yeah. than that. And so like the, the people I really looked up to were like Lego, because I think Lego donated like $2 million, didn't they? The, yeah, I think they did, um, Chipotle did? Maybe. Ben and Jerry's. Ben, ben and Jerry's, Jerry's went hard the pain. Yeah, they did. And I mean, Ben and Jerry's is from Vermont. So, like, there are, there are people of color in Vermont. Yeah. Like, at least three that I can think of. <laughs> exactly. You know, like the main reason we moved down from from New Hampshire is that New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine are the whitest states. Oh yeah, in the country, and you know, ninety eight, ninety nine percent Caucasian. And I was like, I I want my kids to grow up knowing that like people come in more than one color. Oh yeah, like that yeah. was like I said, born and raised in Alabama. So for a while, I was like. This is probably the appropriate proportion, right? It's like 90% white people, 5% uh, African American, and then like an Asian comes through every once in a while, right? No, because then I moved to Birmingham, which is basically like the cultural multicenter of Alabama. And Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, and from there I met a lot more people, and I realized like, oh, it ain't that big, we ain't that big a deal, <laughs> like... So that's why I'm definitely trying to move so my daughter could grow up around different people and understand that there are other people than that don't look like us. Exactly. And that's, I mean, you know, we may have, we stayed in the Northeast because at the time I wanted to stay near my family. Now I realize that that was not my best decision moment oh, yeah. of my adult life, but whatever, you know, you're still trying at that point. But, um... But still, just just moving down just a couple hours south, and it's like, oh, look, different We're colored people, different, you know, because literally, so we lived in, in New Hampshire until my oldest was 10, almost. And in that time, for herself and her brother, who was five at the time that we moved out, so that's, oh, God, fucking mental arithmetic, that's like eight or nine years total schooling yeah. between the two, between, you know. They had one child of color in their classes. Good Lord. And it was a boy who was, I, I think, Liberian who had been adopted by a white family. 
And so I'm like, that's not, like, that's a start. It's close. You're almost there. <laughs> but I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that this is normal, that this is. Oh, yeah. Like, I last week was very, and I guess this is kind of dating when we recorded this, but it was very, like, eye-opening for me because, like, a lot of white people out there, it was, it was the realization of, like, you can't just be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. And I had this realization one of these nights where I said, why? Because, like, I've always been a very big LGBT ally. Like, that start, and that started when I moved to Orlando. Because the- when I moved to Orlando was the weekend of the Pulse shooting. Jesus. Right? Yeah. And so that was enough for me to be, like, eye-open, awaken. And then I realized I have a lot of friends in the LGBT community. I've got a lot of, like, just podcasts I listen to that are from the LGBT community. And then I realized, like, why am I such a great ally for them? But then for, like, the African-American community, I never spoke up as much. And I realized it's because of the way I was raised and the place I was raised. Like, I I think I probably grew up having maybe one African-American friend. And that was a moment of realization of, like, it's not just enough to say you're not racist. It's not enough to just be like, oh, there's a problem over there. Throw money at it. Like, you have to embrace it like you've got to fall in love with it in some way and so yeah that was my realization of like we need to get out of here mm-hmm. well i mean in new hampshire my, my kids never saw people of color i did yeah because i worked in a prison oh right dark turn but yes i mean but seriously like it was this this horrible realization of like holy shit that that the prison was close to 50 50 oh yeah at the time that i worked there when it's literally two percent of the rest of the state so it's like yeah there's we 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 need to we need to fix a lot here we need a a lot needs to be done and um i had a i um i lost a patron last week um specifically saying that first of all i spend too much time talking about how criminals are human too and like but they are. I mean, they are. They are people. And the, the her, her secondary comment was, I don't need you to talk about that because I can tell when somebody's criminal just by looking at them. He's like, ooh. That sounds super racist, super racist. She is here. <laughs> like, that's what I said. And, 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 and I, I stood on it for a day because I didn't. I, I, I'm naturally wicked impulsive, and I'm trying to take that down to only mostly impulsive. Yeah. And so I sort of stewed on it for a day, and then I was like, fuck this, I don't want her money. And so I went back and figured out like how much she had given me overall and donated. And then I was like, look, I'm, I'm posting this publicly not as a look at how great I am, because it's not enough. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's it, this is just, it's it's a single step. But... It's that kind of thing of, of of people not recognizing racism that's sort of just baked in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, and like the biggest wake-up call I had was in, probably in college, because I took a lot of sociolo- sociology classes, because I was a theater major, so I was like, this seems easy. It It was easy as far as homework goes, but as far as, like, mental breaks... A lot more rough, but it was the realization of when uh, she would talk about, like, I took one on sports and society, because I love 
pro wrestling. So I was like, I can relate to this. And uh, she brought up, look at the way they talk about black athletes versus white athletes. On the, on the field, you talk about somebody like Tom Brady. They're like, oh, he has such a great mind. He has such a great sense for this. Meanwhile, for all the black athletes, they're like, look at the power behind him. Look at his strength. He's like an animal. And it's like, that's gross. That is super duper gross. And so that was one. And then uh, talking about – this was around the time when Obama was president. And there, she was like, look at how they talk about Obama versus everybody else. They talk about how well-spoken he is. They talk about how well he can speak. And it's like that's not – that's like that's rewarding him for the most base level when he is actually probably one of the most prolific speakers of our time and a very intelligent human being don't don't break him down to that base level and they're doing it just to try to tear him down a little bit so that those sociology classes were a big wake up call for i guess i guess that systemic verbiage that's kind of been thrown down for so many years that we're like yeah He's a powerhouse. Look at him. It's like, no, don't talk that way. Well, yeah, you know, a yes and kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you talk about being an ally, like there's a lot of ways of being an ally. The first step is listening. And I don't, I don't think that, like I've watched a lot of my cishet white middle-aged male friends really struggle with. The past couple of weeks because oh, they're like I, what do you hi, mean I, hey that was me i was there <laughs> you know what do you mean they don't want to listen to me everybody it's that it's that it's simpsons sketch right about like i'm just a kid nobody wants to listen to me yeah and you know lisa says that and then the grandfather's like yeah well i'm too old nobody wants to listen to me and homer's like well i'm uh, you know white male age 28 to 45 everybody listens to me yeah exactly and they don't know how not to be listened to yeah, it, I mean, it was it was a week of awakening, and it was a week, like you said, of like, uh, especially, and I'll be willing to admit it, I, there was a lot of fear of what do I do? And luckily, there was a lot of resources online of like, well, as a start, find a local bail fund, donate to that, uh, find places you can send emails, let your voice be heard, and promote as many black voices as you can. And so I was like, let's go and so i just went as hard in on what i could do without trying to get too nervous about like am i doing enough because i had one of those nights where i'm like there's no way i'm not doing enough i'm not doing enough and it just led me down this bad road where i just kind of ended up making an idiot out of of myself luckily but i mean i do that just recreationally so yeah (laughs) um but that it's not enough and that's what i said you know it was when i when i posted it was really important to me to post like because what i did is i took her money and i donated it to a black lives matter um it wasn't a charity uh whatever um i don't i can't come up with the right word but was it a bail fund or something like, similar? yeah it's one one of those but i can't i can't remember offhand like what what the what the url was and oh so, okay um but that I wanted to be really careful not to be like, look, here's what I did. This is enough. It's all good now. We're going to go back to regular programming. Thank you. Bye. Like, yeah, because it's not enough. And it's not, I, it's not that it's not out of guilt or it's not out of feeling like I owe anybody anything. It's just about not being a dick. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's definitely where I was trying to walk was not trying to seem like someone who's just 
once again, going along with, and I, I hate to say it, it was a trend, kind of, like, in a way. Yes, it was part of a movement, but then there were a lot of people, like, random-ass companies who were like, you know what, we do believe Black Lives Matter. Then the next day, McRib is back! Like, it just didn't, like, it, it didn't appeal. It, it was part of almost, like, just a trend they went along with, and I wanted to make sure anything I did didn't reflect on that. And so a lot of my posts became very much not what I could do. It was telling, it was becoming a resource is kind of how I treated it. Because yes, I did donate. Yes, I did do, uh, sent out emails, but I was like, that's okay. Good for me. I did it. You do it. Now you do it. That's kind of where I was. Mm-hmm. And, and now, now that we're, the movement is definitely still going. It's definitely still growing. I almost think it just kind of needs to become part of your daily posting, for lack of a better word. Because I will still post goofy stuff every once in a while. Like, I watched Spider-Verse last night and was talking about my favorite scenes from it. But then also, you do need to keep putting in these daily, almost reminders, these daily support posts, whatever you can. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's going to stop. I think it needs to just become part of what you're doing. Well, I mean, my, my, my fear is that we're going to see, you know, microhistory repeat itself because, uh, the Black Lives Matter as a movement, as a concept is about, what, 10 years old, plus or minus a couple. Yeah. And the problem is it was a statement without a clear centralized goal behind it in yeah. the moment. And too many, white people especially, were like, oh, well, as long as I say Black Lives Matter, like, that's enough, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 this feels like more of a call to action. I hope it really is. Oh, absolutely. It's become a call to action. Like, you know, rather than just repeating it, rather than just saying, oh, I totally support it, hashtag, like. And that's what I was guilty of, like, the first day of just saying, like, okay, let's just put up a post and say Black Lives Matter because I didn't know what to do. And then, like, the following day, seeing it get worse was enough for me to say, like, that's not enough. Just saying it is not enough. You need to be proactive. You need to be anti-racist. You need to be fighting. You can't just be on the sidelines cheering on at this point. Right. Right. Well, and and like, it, it was interesting to me to watch some people get aggressive. Isn't is kind of the word... Shitty is the best word yes. that I can come up with. Just with like, you know, I I had one individual who kind of came at me the first day that the the, the first the day the target burned. Yes, right? and I had that some that, that horrible guy. sacrifice of that important target that everyone <laughs> know, right? cared so much about. Again, thoughts and prayers, right? <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, th- Target came out and was like, "Seriously, guys, we don't care. We're insured. It's fine." Yeah. Like, but everybody, you know, but so the day the target burned, I had a, a, a white guy from Canada come at me and, and from a particularly white area of Canada come at me about, cause you know, my, my statement was like, if you can stay home out of the rioting until you know what the protest is going to be in a more organized way, because yeah. I want you to be safe. I don't want you to die both by police and by COVID because that's what's going to happen is that, you know, the people who are, of minority status are generally not receiving health care. They're not receiving insurance. Right. 
you know, they're not in, 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 in they're the one, you know, if they're, if they are out protesting without support and then they get sick, they'll be blamed for getting sick, which is bullshit. Oh yeah. And because the so majority, I, the majority of the protesters you're seeing are fully masked up. They're taking as much pro and then you'll look over and see like a restaurant that opened early and has like a bunch of people just eating with no masks on, no concern. I'm like, I don't think it's the protesters' fault, y'all. Yeah, well, and, and that's what I'm saying. So, I just, I didn't want people to be blamed for their own sickness, and I didn't want them to be killed by both the police and the virus. So, give it a second. Let things organize a little bit. Try to figure out ways that you can, you know, support financially or change from the inside. Um, yeah. Rather than just standing outside and screaming. Because that's all well and good, but you know who else does that? People with profound schizophrenia in for the most part, they don't get things passed through the House and the Senate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think the protests were very important. And I, I'll be honest, like, around the day the target burned, I was afraid of the protests. And I had probably one day where I was afraid of protests. And then the videos came out of the cops shooting people with rubber bullets and the videos of, like, the cops pushing over that old man. And then the one that got me, and I guess it's because I have a one-year-old daughter, was the cop pepper spraying, like, a three-year-old girl. And after that, I had one day where I was afraid of them, and the rest of, ever since, I've only been afraid of the police. I'm not afraid of those protesters. So, like, yeah, it, it's... I think the protests were very important, because I think if anything else, the protests led to a sense of fear in everybody. A And I, I posted this on Twitter, but I, it was a profound sense of fear and anger and depression and praying that this senseless violence would stop. And feeling that made me realize that's what the black community has felt their entire lives. And so that was when I went like, oh yeah, because I'm a very anti-violent person. I, to the point where I'm like, no guns, knives if you only, if you're cooking maybe, but like I'm very <laughs> not, I'm, I hate violence. And so the first day those protests were so violent, I was kind of on edge, but then I had that realization and that realization of like, it's, it's here to make a statement. It is here to let people know what's happening. And so, yeah, that that was a real awakening for me as far as the protests are concerned. Well, I th and I think there's a difference between the sort of panic rioting and bear in mind the rioting, looting. That's that's panic. Oh yeah, right. It, that that panic is what's propelling those people to to behave in that way in the first place, and that that won't get a whole lot done because the people who are in power are going to look at that and go, well, that's just panic. Yeah. You know, without thinking about why they panicked. But now it has become more of an organized, controlled anger. Good. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Good. Use that. Fuel that. And um, I was just listening earlier today to, a, to a, a speech that a woman named Kimberly Jones gave. Um, who the, she, she wraps it up. The final line that I heard was that uh, you're lucky that... Black people are, are only looking for equality and not revenge. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I was like, ooh, and there's, I, a, there's a big heavy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I don't want to be conspiracy nut boy, but I will be for these next few. From what I've seen, the majority of the rioting 
came from people who were not fully part of the movement. That came from a bunch of people who were like, there's protests, let's go down there and see if we can score a free TV. Like, stuff like that. Because I've seen multiple videos of protesters seeing people, like, smashing windows and desperately trying to pull them away, saying, like, what are you doing? Because I think even the protesters are aware those riots are hurting it. And so they are trying actively to stop it. So I, I'm i not saying there might have been some internal, internal things done, but maybe... <laughs> Oh, for sure there were. I mean, there there were some some of the Twitter accounts that were that were pro- appropriated as like call to action, whatever. And it turns out that oh, hey, Antifa is actually a, you know one of the like a it was quote official Antifa. Um, oh, I remember Twitter that. Twitter accounts that was, that was losers. Yeah, yeah, were taken over by a bunch of the Proud Boys, and I'm like, what are you? Oh, for fuck's sake, just show up and say. It, you know, hold the government and businesses accountable to do the right thing. Could we do that? Could we maybe start there? Yeah. You, you I, s- I still, uh, I think it was Trump's website that said, help us join the fight against Antifa. And somebody put, oh, I wonder if there's a shorter word for anti-Antifa. wonder what that word would be. Yeah, right? That's That becomes like a double negative right there, right? Like, how awful is it to be anti-fascist? Hmm. If you're fighting anti-fascism, would that make you a, oh yeah, fascist, yeah, oh yeah. That's what it would be. Yeah. I mean, it's been crazy. And, you know, and and I feel, I feel bad. I, myself, immunocompromised, I'm stuck in the house and it means I have to keep my kids at the house. My husband can only go out once in a while, that kind of thing. And so I, I feel bad because I want, I want to experience what's happening. I want my kids to experience it. I want to be a part of it more and it's hard not to and you know my my oldest is gay and and is out and you know she has a better understanding of the history of like the stonewall riots and the the role that the black community played in yeah pride and things like that than i do and i'm like how did this happen you're an idiot like you're a kid You, you like how did this but it's because she's paying attention, so I guess it's a start. Yeah. If, if anything, last week was like, hey, guys, pay attention. And it, yeah, yeah it, it opened a lot of people's eyes, I think. Why, on, on, on the topic, briefly, of the, the LGBTQIA plus community, why isn't it called Quilt Bag? Oh my god, I want to call it Quilt Bag so bad now. That's so much better. Isn't it? The quilt bag community. Because <laughs> I, I'm, I just put it out there. Because once again, I'm bad about remembering the full thing. Because just why, like earlier, I said LGBT and I was like, I know there's more letters. And I'm sorry <laughs> that I can't say them all, but I can't remember them. It's, but quilt bag, I'd remember so quickly. Right? And I'm, I'm saying, and, and, you know, and I, everybody, I, 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 when I mentioned it to people, they, I have the same reaction every time. Well, that is a better mnemonic. Yeah. I do like that one better. Plus, I'm pretty sure that J.K. Rowling hates it, just inherently, like I know she would, so. Oh, yeah. Makes me like it more. Oh, we can't, we can't get off on J.K. <laughs> you made one bad joke about chicken scratch and it led into like a 20 minute discussion of racial tensions in America. We can't now move <laughs> on to J.K. Rowling. I already hated J.K. Rowling because I had never read Harry Potter. 
and I went to work at Universal Studios, and while working there, I learned that I was a Slytherin, and that made me so excited. I was like, oh, I've got my own house, and look, look, we've got, like, it's like people who seek power, but the good ones try to use it for good. Excellent. I can't wait to read about all the great Slytherins in Harry Potter. And then I read book one, and book two... And book three, and no, just none of them. She made an entire house in her books that's nothing but scapegoats and terrible people. Yeah, well, and and um, trans people apparently. Yeah. Wait, um, what? Do we go, are we home to the trans? <laughs> I think you should be. It seems only fair. I call because I she bet, doesn't like them. I bet Draco. Draco yeah, would. I mean, Draco has, like, the perfect trans look, I'm just saying. Not saying that all trans people need to look a certain way, but, oh, Draco. (laughs) Draco's got the androgynous look down. Oh, yeah. So perfect. That is my, like, that is my favorite look, is is an androgynous look. I'm like, yeah, like, my... Do you know who Noel Fielding is? It rings a bell. He was on, he was on this show called The Mighty Boosh, and he was on The Great British Bake Off, and my favorite quote from him of all time is he goes, uh, so he was talking about one of his friends being attracted to him. He goes, I'm not attracted to you. He goes, no, everyone is. Everyone. I'm the great confuser. Is it a man? Is it a woman? Who knows? But I'm attracted to it. And that's when I was like, that's my sexual identity right there, described by Noel Fielding. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that works. Mm-hmm. It works. I, I, I approve. And, and I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I have a personal grudge against the concept of the Harry Potter franchise. I've never read a sing- I've never read any of it. Yeah, uh, I also that... I meant watched. I didn't read because I don't. I could. I <laughs> couldn't I read them. They are so terribly written. <laughs> I could not I, I, read them. Good, 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 good. No, because they the first one came out right around the time that I was pregnant with my oldest, and so I had this like won't it be cute i'll have this baby and it'll first of all the baby will be cute which (laughs) (laughs) babies aren't cute they're not they're a pain in the ass and they ruin everything i that's i have four children so i feel like i can say that with some assurance by now see as as a parent of one i'm like why would you say that about these beautiful little buttons and then you're like four oh i get it I get it now. I understand. I mean, even with the one, I was just like, wow, you stopped being cute about the third weekend to sleep deprivation. Like, <laughs> man, I'm not going to eat my own meal. I'm going to think about it. That's that's where I'm going to draw that line. And um, But I was like, oh, it'll be nice. You know, she'll get older and we'll read these books together because I knew that there's going to be an arc of them. And so yeah. about the time that that she's at a point where she can sort of absorb the the, the full story we'll start reading them because my dad and i when i was a kid we read through the hobbit and we read through watership down and stuff like that and so i was like yeah i'm gonna do that and then when she was about eight i learned that she had already read all of them and all watched all of the movies and hadn't told me and so fuck that i'm not reading any <laughs> of them <laughs> kids ruin every fucking thing like every hope and dream you have for your children they will fuck up yeah, yeah. you're like oh, you already there. did it no <laughs> Yeah, I was like, all right, well, fuck it. Then you read it to your siblings. It's not my problem anymore. <laughs> all right. And so happily, now it turns out that J.K. Rowling is a terrible person. So I can be like, listen, I'm hipster anti Harry Potter. Like I hated J.K. Rowling before it was cool. Oh yeah, like because I remember my my wife is a huge 
Harry Potter head. And so she'll try to sit me down with the movies and watch them. And for a while, when I was doing fun fiction, I did a series on Harry Potter. And I probably wrote the most anti-JK Rowling fan fiction of all time because it was about a Slytherin that wanted to do good and was also gay. So I knew JK would hate this. So I wrote that whole series. And so I'd watch it with her. And the whole time I'd be like, firstly, the Cho Chang thing is literally the worst. That one was bad. Uh, seeing how how little she did to try to redeem Draco or Snape in the last few worst thing like and i i definitely went into it with that bias of being a slytherin and saying like hey can we have any respect and the movie said no <laughs> it said no to me it said no you were denied denied by but say so, you know you could just join the the hipster the hipster rowling movement oh yeah I don't know. I don't think I look like a hipster, really, as I sit here with my handlebar mustache and thick-rimmed glasses and rye whiskey behind me. <laughs> and a podcast. And a podcast! <laughs> or 12, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, So tell me about who else you're going to go on. Who, who other shows are you going to go on? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to be doing one called, I think it's Film Guff, and they're... They talk about movies, but, like, not direct-to-video, but, like, lesser-known movies. Movies that don't really get a lot of talk in most fields. And I'm going on there to talk about what is genuinely easily in my top five, if not favorite movie of all time, which is Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. It is an insane film where the ending features the Ninja Turtles fighting a giant mutated fox and snapping turtle. And they fight and end up in a Vanilla Ice concert for some reason. And then Vanilla (laughs) Ice freestyles a rap about the Ninja Turtles as they beat up the Fox and the Snapping Turtle. And the only way to kill them is by putting fire extinguishers in their mouth that cause them to demutate back into their original animal forms. It's absolutely insane. So I'm going to be talking about that on Film Guff. Um, th- I've already recorded it, but, um, oh, why can't I, it's called Ride Rehab, and it's a show about basically making theme park rides better, and we're talking about Fantasyland at Disney, and that was amazing, that, that was an amazing episode, and it might be too, because we recorded for like five hours. Um, I'm gonna be doing Oh No Lit class, so, everyone who listens should know that one at this point. We're gonna be talking about The Glass Menagerie, despite me screaming how badly I hate that book slash play yes. so much. It's good. It means you'll be into it. That's good. good oh, yeah. I was like, can we do holes? I loved holes. No, no, no. Go no. older. Don't make me do Glass Menagerie. And they're like, yes, you will. So I'm gonna be doing Glass Menagerie on there. So that's three, uh, and I definitely need to be doing more. So anybody out there with a podcast, hit your boy up. Let me on. I can talk about whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can get you out. Like I said, it went off mic because I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Like, I don't want to invite you on other people's shows. I totally want to invite you on other people's shows, but I won't. Lee, like, put me on Relativity again. I know I was already on it. Put me on it again. Just briefly this year. Just uh, just for, for 2020, briefly. Yes. Um, but we'll, 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 we'll talk after about, uh, I, ha- I have ideas. I have thoughts. Oh, awesome. um, so very cool. Um, 
anything that didn't come up in this hour on the recording part that you wanted to or whatever? Not really. I do. Because here's my thing. Because I know I'm going to be doing 200 more of these. I don't want to keep going back to the well of like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll talk about wrestling if you want. Oh, I'll do this. Because I know there are going to be numerous shows where they're like, tell me about Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go. So I, I'm i trying to save myself from marriage, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You're maintaining your podcast chastity. Oh, yeah. Your pod chastity? My pa- I am appalled at myself today. What is my problem? I like pod chastity. Chicken scratch was terrible, but pod it chastity's was. good. Pod chastity kind of is. Did you know that I ha- I've had another... I've been published for one of my stupid word moments? What? I was in the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, has a podcast, like, it has a podcast, but it also has, like, a magazine, an online magazine. Uh-huh. And I'm in an epi- a, a, an article of, like, seven terms that all podcasters should know. And I don't know what the other six terms are, because they don't matter to me. But mine is there, and it's first on the motherfucking list. And I'm unreasonably proud of this. It's being for the people who have they're no longer complete newbies you know like they know how to hit publish and it's not that like painfully one step at a time grueling process to get an episode out but they're not at like the 50 episode mark where like you know your shit now you accidentally just published you know the sound of your children screaming in the background because you forgot to check your stuff but you're in that mid-range, right? From like the one month to six month range or so. Mm-hmm. What do you call that stage? Where you're not yet a baby, you're no longer a baby, but you're not a man. You're a poddler. Oh, that's, at first I thought it was going to be quilt bag. And I was so excited, but <laughs> poddler is even better. You're a poddler. I want to I publish the dictionary of just all your words. I, it's, my brain gets fucked up. I, I have, like, literal brain damage from a a medical thing. And so, if I get stressed or tired, I kind of panic and I freeze a little bit. And I come out with, like, stupid, like, sometimes it's things like, in the kitchen, we have a thing that all of us in the house refer to as the magical thing that makes you taller. Yeah. It's a stool. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) The only so, <laughs> the only word I came up with on a podcast actively was um the definition is when you enjoy like say you're on a diet and you enjoy watching other people eat like unhealthy fried chicken it would be a cluckold <laughs> That's hilarious and sad all at the same time <laughs> I just love this image of a guy sitting down at like a Popeyes and somebody's eating the chicken sandwich. You, you're just staring at me. Ma'am, them. ma'am, could you, could you just slow down? Will you eat that? <laughs> eat that a little slower, please. <laughs> can, can you breathe in my face, ma'am? <laughs> I, I love it and I hate it. Oh my God. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. First and foremost, if you are a podcaster who ever hosts guests, and I mean, I have a list, but I'm not going to call you out in, you know, in public like this, but just, I'm telling you, if, help a guy out. He's looking for a world record here. Because he's looking for the world record, as opposed to someone approaching me and saying, I want to come on your show specifically because of your show. Because that's just weird when that happens. Like, I don't know what to do. But because of that, I find it amusing. Down in the cockles of my cold, dead heart, just how sort of surprised Scotty was that I took things into a more political and then later random and later unexpected sort of way. You know, I got a degree of like, well, I don't typically talk like that on shows. And I'm like, everybody says that to me. I um, actually, I see that as quite a, a compliment, really. It's just sort of how I run. But I also, in the moment, you know, this was just about a week after the first of the the racial protests began in the U.S., so we were beyond the, well, better for them to stay home than risk COVID because that's bullshit. Nobody should have stayed home. It was just a matter of make your words count. Take an extra day and be organized so that you can have a little more impact on the people who actually are in power right now. Assuming that's a possibility, but that's a whole other line of misery and pessimism that we don't want to go on right now. I'm trying to avoid that, really. But that by this point, the the protests had begun and they were ongoing and they were loud and they meant something, but we weren't really sure what they meant yet. And I still now, five, six weeks after they started, I don't entirely know what, what they, when I say what they mean, I don't mean what were people protesting about because I fucking know what that is. I mean, what's the result going to be? How are we going to make this work? We have to make it better. We have to do better. So, anyway, Scotty, yeah, I'm not the best at being predictable, and thank you for putting up with me and playing along. Anyway, super fun, and if you get down to the wire and you need another guest spot, let me know. Happy to host anytime. And, well, I was going to say that I would try not to make things you know, as dark and heavy as this time, but I feel like it wasn't dark and heavy by my standards, but more to the, more to the point, uh, <laughs> I don't know where things are going to go. I don't plan things. So, you know, you let me know. We'll figure something out. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Denise and to Danielle, who recently increased their Patreon support and to the true crime nana from twitter 
who became a new Patreon supporter. I'm so grateful. I went a little over 30 days with loss after loss after loss of patron. And, you know, you kind of get into this headspace of like, this is just what it's going to be now. And so I got three new things in the span of like three or four days. And that was just magical. So uh, thank you. That was awesome. I will be back soon with, I don't know quite yet, but, you know, I bounce between murder ballads and serial killers and horror movies and mysticism, you know, typical fun sorts of stuff. And I will do my best to behave myself a little bit topically, or at the very least to release more topical in the moment sorts of episodes closer to when they actually happen because the world just keeps changing so fast and I'm trying to keep up. Didn't you feel better before you knew that? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.